Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Hosea chapter 14. Hosea 14. All right. Amen. Hosea 14, starting at verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. A sure shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. Amen. I want to talk simply from the thought, come back to God. Come back to God. Verse 1, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. Come back to God. Come back to God. Hosea's ministry seems to have spanned around 30 years, nearly 800 years before Christ. He was a contemporary of Isaiah and Micah and served during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, uh, who reigned over the southern kingdom uh, of Judah, while Jeroboam II ruled the northern kingdom of Israel. He ministered to Israel, an unfaithful, backslidden people. The backslider is one who has strayed away from God, defected from the faith, fallen away from living according to God's kingdom, if you will. Hosea did not sugarcoat Israel's situation. He addressed God's anger at Israel's sins, their unethical behavior, and over-reliance on both empty religious rituals and military might. He tried to warn them that eventually God was going to punish them with harsh judgment. They were looking at destruction of their land and captivity. 
Hosea is probably most known for his marriage to Gomer, described as a prostitute or simply an unchaste woman. Gomer had three children while she was married to Hosea, and after all these years, we're still waiting on Mari to tell us if the kids belong to Hosea. The marriage was to portray God's relationship with unfaithful Israel. Israel was guilty of kicking God to the curb for worshiping Baal and engaging in other forms of idol worship. Here's what we find Hosea saying to the people of God in Hosea 4 and 12. They ask a piece of wood for advice. They think a stick can tell them the future. Longing for idols has made them foolish. They have played the prostitute, serving other gods and deserting their God. It ought not surprise any of us that Israel is in bad spiritual shape. They have horrible examples of morality in their leadership. The kings and rulers are known for drunkenness and debauchery. Debauchery is, is, a, debauchery is a 12th grade word to simply describe someone or a people who's buck wild. And they were wild. Israel's priests were no better. Instead of teaching the chosen people of God how to live right, they taught the very opposite. Hosea had the following to say about the priests in Hosea 4 and 8. When the, priests bring, when the people bring their sin offerings, the priests get fed. So the priests are glad when the people sin. Here's another tweet about the priests in Hosea 6 and 9. Priests form bands of robbers waiting in ambush for their victims. They murder travelers along the road to Shechem and practice every kind of sin. Hosea ministered to an Israel in serious spiritual decline during prosperous times. Under the leadership of King Jeroboam II, times were good. He led expansion efforts that brought Israel to great success and outward prosperity unseen for Israel since the days of Solomon. Good times, though, can lead to poor behavior. Economic prosperity can have side effects of, of poor social behavior. Good times are good unless they make people more interested in themselves than in God's direction for their lives. Yet God wanted these people back. He wanted Israel to come back to him. He, he longed for them to turn from bowing to Baal and, to, and trust Jehovah and him alone. He wanted Israel to abandon worshiping idols and fall in love with him and obey him as his own holy people. Israel strayed away from God, but God wanted them back. Through the prophet Hosea, God extended an open invitation for backsliders to repent and return to him for restoration and revival. As I shared with you a moment ago, I'm concerned about some of our membership. Some of us were already straying away from God prior to the pandemic. In this pandemic where it's, it's more difficult to get out and about in this season of quarantine, uh, uh, um, in, an onslaught of anxiety and depression, I'm concerned about the sheep of God who composed the membership of Union Grove. I, I don't want you to stray away from God. My concern is that, that you may have allowed this pandemic and, and, and streaming options, which is good, and, and that's, that's what I'm asking you to do, but, but don't let this season pull you away from God. Don't let the quarantine cause you to be quarantined from your own prayer closet. Don't, don't, don't allow yourself to be quarantined from the presence of God. Don't, don't quarantine your mind and your spirit from the word of God. Don't, don't allow this season to, to cause you to drift away from God. 
But I acknowledge, I acknowledge that some of you, some of you may actually be closer to God. You may be closer to God in this season than you've ever been. The tough times that we're facing, this, the, 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 the tough season that we're in, and, and maybe you're losing so many loved ones and friends who were so young and in good health. Maybe you're losing so many loved ones to COVID and other realities could have actually brought you closer to God. But there are some who have drifted away from him. And what are those who have strayed away from God to do? God wants you to come back to him. There is an open invitation to restoration and revival for backsliders who repent and return to God. Let me, let me delve a little further into this with a couple of questions and we're going to raise up. The first question I want to, to, to examine is what is meant by come back to God? What is meant by that phrase, come back to God? It comes from the first verse of Hosea chapter 14. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. That word return, y'all, that word return is pregnant. It's pregnant. It also means to turn back, to restore, to, to relinquish, to defeat, to reverse, or to bring back to mind. God invites those who have abandoned him to relinquish, defeat, reverse what has their affection. God invites those who have turned away from him to relinquish, defeat, reverse what's consuming so much of their time, energy, and attention that there's none left for God. Whatever you're trusting instead of trusting God, whatever you're passionate about that's more, well, you're more passionate about that than you are about God, relinquish, defeat, reverse it, and come back to God. This invitation to return to God is not necessarily about returning to a church building. Some folks coming to the building Sunday after Sunday have no relationship with God. This is not a plea to return to the church building. Come back to God is a challenge for all of us to assess where we are with our worship. Many of us need to courageously ask if our relationship with the Lord is what we want it to be rather than what God wants it to be. Is your relationship with God where you want it to be or where the Lord wants it to be? And let me say this, coming back to God uh, is deeper than a New Year's resolution. This is the time where a number of people resolve, I'm going to get closer to God. January 1st, they resolve, I'm going to get closer to God. But by March 1st, they're going right back to the life they were living December 31st. Coming back to God is deeper than a New Year's resolution. Coming back to God goes beyond church attendance. And I understand that it can mean different things to different people. For some, it may mean to come back to trusting him like you did when you had nothing. For some, it may mean, it may mean trusting him like you did when you, when you had nothing. Back, back when you were struggling to pay your rent and your car payment and your car insurance and daycare for your kids. It, it, it may mean to come back to trusting him like you did when you were broke and had nothing and you knew you sure enough needed him to help you make it from check to check or from job to job, or apartment to apartment. Uh, coming back to God may mean for you to come back to where you trust him like you did when you had no health insurance, or dental insurance, or 401k, or when you were riding dirty with no car insurance. Maybe, maybe coming back to God simply means for you to trust him like you did when you had nothing and you knew that you needed him. 
For others, it can mean coming back to serving him like you did before you got all booed up or before you got promoted on your job or before you started running behind your kids with so many extracurricular activities that none of you have any time or energy left for God and the things of God. Maybe coming back to God means coming back to where he did the leftovers, uh, uh, where he no longer is getting the leftovers of your time and energy. Maybe coming back to God would mean coming back to the place where God is first. You may say God is first in your life and your family, but if he only gets what's left, he ain't first. Let me say it again. If God is only getting what's left, he ain't first. If God, if God, I, I, and I, let me say this, I, I wholeheartedly support extracurricular activities. I, I wholeheartedly support kids working part-time jobs while they're, while they're in school. And what I truly believe God has a problem with, though, is kids being allowed to jam-pack their lives with so much stuff they have no time or energy for God and the things of God. None of us should be guilty of cramming our lives with things we prefer to do and then have no time or energy for what God has called us to do. Some of you may say God has called me to be a parent. You are correct. God has called you to be a parent. But he has not called you to be a parent who teaches their children it's okay to neglect their heavenly father. Israel was in the shape they were in partly due to what the priest taught them. Some of our kids are in the shape they're in partly due to what their parents teach them. That it's okay to commit to so much stuff that consumes your time, energy, and attention that if you have any left, then give it to God if you choose. But I stand by what I said, and I said what I said. If God is only getting what's left in your life, he ain't first. Coming back to God is like the prodigal son who came to his senses and decided to return home to his father. Come to your senses and make God first. Come, come to your senses and realize your need for him. Come, come to your senses and trust him for all your needs. All of us need him. All of us need to put him first. All of us need to trust him. I don't care how much money you have, you need to trust him. I don't care how many cars you have, how many homes you own. I don't care how, how, much, your, how much is in your 401k. All of us need him and we need to trust him enough to where it doesn't matter if we have all of these other things because if it had not been for the grace of God we need him more than we need insurance we need him more than we need shelter we need him and I, I just want to encourage all of us to examine where we are and if God ain't first make him first in your life the next question I want to raise y'all is how did Israel stray away from God how, how did this happen? How could the chosen people of God, God's own favored people, stray away from him? It's right there in the text. Look at verse 1 again. Hosea chapter 14, verse 1. Hosea would tell us that they strayed away by their own iniquity. Look at this in verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Israel failed by their own iniquity. It was their own fault. It was their own mischief. They strayed away from God due to their own decisions. There was no one to blame for God's displeasure with them. They knew better than to worship idols. They knew better than to trust other gods for their needs. They, they knew God delivered their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. 
They knew what God had done throughout their history and parted the Red Sea, drowned Pharaoh and his army, and brought them into Canaan, the promised land. They, they knew God and, and how God alone fought their battles and defeated their enemies. Yet Israel had fallen by their own iniquity. They knew better, y'all. They knew better than to worship golden calves and trust military might more than the power of Almighty God. They knew God was able to provide food when they were hungry, water when they were thirsty, miracles, signs, and wonders. Yet Israel had fallen by their own iniquity. They knew how God made a covenant with Abraham, strengthened Samson until he lost his perm, demolished Jericho walls for Joshua and them, and helped David kill Goliath. But despite all that God had done for them, Israel had fallen by their own iniquity. They would have to own where they were with God and do something about it. Anyone who's coming back, who's going to come back to God has to own how their own iniquity, their own sin, their own decisions pulled them away from God. No one can play the blame game like Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. You remember how that whole thing went down? Uh, Eve ate the forbidden fruit, gave it to her husband, Adam. God comes walking in the, in the garden calling, uh, calling uh, Adam's name and, 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 and he wants to find out how, how did y'all know y'all were naked? Why y'all hiding? How did y'all know y'all were na naked? And Adam blames the wife and the wife blames the serpent. Listen, you can't play the blame game for decisions you are making. James even helps us with understanding why we make the decisions we make and fall into sin. James says in James chapter 1 verse 14, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Own your iniquity. Own when you've given in to your temptations. Own your own shortcomings. Own how you've given in to your flesh and pulled away from God. We need to do a better job of admitting, y'all, when we've allowed our flesh to have dominion rather than the spirit. Are y'all praying with me today? Stop playing the blame game or, or living in denial and own how your flesh is why some of the stuff ain't right in your life. Racism is real, but white folk didn't ruin your marriage. You were raised in a dysfunctional family, but your kinfolk ain't the reason why you can't keep a job. Church hurt is real, but you can't blame church folk for your bad credit. Anxiety and depression are real struggles, but you can't blame your ex for your hair falling out and your weight gain or your weight loss. Your flesh is keeping you from making your request known unto God with thanksgiving so you can have some peace. Are y'all praying with me today? Your flesh is why you waste money. Your flesh is why you can't keep a job. Your flesh can do more harm than white folk, dysfunctional families, toxic churches, and mental illness put together. Make up in your mind you're going to stop allowing your flesh to have dominion in your life. Own your iniquity and come back to God. And I want to encourage everybody. Be extremely cautious about taking ownership of what other folks do. If you raised your children in the admonition of the Lord and now they're all grown and their lives don't reflect how you raised them, don't own that. Don't contaminate your soul with guilt for decisions other grown, nappy-headed, hard-headed Negroes are making. Also, also, if you weren't saved when you were raising your children, but now you're saved and, uh, and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, don't let guilt cripple you now that grace has captured you. 
own your past without your past owning your peace and your joy and you're being a joyful new creation in Christ Jesus. Own what you did. Own what you ruined. Own who you hurt. Own all the mistakes you made. All the babies you made. All the promises you made and broke. But move forward in who you are now. Let me say that again. Move forward in who you are now. Repent and move on in who you are now. Do all you can to grow into someone radically removed from who lived in all that flesh. Own it, but own your kingdom identity. Own it, but own your God-ordained destiny. Own it, but own your supernatural maturity. I'm telling you that some of us need to admit that we're the reason why our flesh has gotten the best of us. Own is your own iniquity. There's another question, a third question I want to raise that's answered right here in the text. How does one return to God? How, if, if somebody makes up in their mind, I'm, I'm coming back to God, what, what do they need to do? Hosea tells it, look at verse 2. Verse 2. He, say, he says, and it's so simple. He says, bring your confession. It's as simple as that. Bring your confession and return to the Lord. Say to him, Forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Assyria cannot save us, nor can our war horses. Never again will we say to the idols we have made, you are our gods. No, in you alone do the orphans find mercy. How does one return to God? Hosea tells us it's in your confession. Israel was instructed to make a confession and turn to the Lord. God was telling them, what I want from you is in your mouth. God was saying, come back to me. And when you do, don't worry about what can fit in your hand. What I want is to come from your mouth. God knew his people might be ready uh, to get right if they were talking right. Some folks will let you know they're, they're, they aren't ready to get right because they ain't talking right. There's power in your confession. There's power in your confession. The power of death and life is in your tongue. Make a confession. Agree with God. Your confession can empower you to cancel the power of your flesh. You're agreeing with God. You're, you're aligning your mouth and your heart with God can empower you to, to, to deny the power of your flesh. Now this isn't to be mere lip service. Your confession is to reflect what is in your heart. For out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. This confession is not just to get out of trouble. Pray with me, somebody. This confession is not just to get out of trouble. This confession is to align the worshiper with God so that the worshiper and God are saying the same thing. God is saying to the worshiper who is backslid, I want you back. The backslidden worshiper is to say the same thing. I want you back to God. God is saying to the worshiper, I want to walk with you. The worshiper is to say the same thing to God. I want to walk with you too. God is saying, I want to lead you and guide you in your life. The worshiper is to confess the same thing. I want you to lead me and guide me in my life. Because when my flesh leads me, I get into trouble. When my flesh leads me, I mess stuff up. When my flesh leads me, I ruin good things that you brought into my life. God is saying, listen, to the worshiper, I want you back. And the worshiper is to say the same thing. There's power in your confession when it comes from a repentant heart. It can get you right with God. 
and get you right with God once again. Let, let, let me examine a few things that Hosea pointed out that, that was to be in their confession. In their confession, number one, they were to ask for forgiveness. Look at verse 2. In verse 2, they were to make their confession. And then Hosea simply says, forgive all our sins. Forgive all our sins. Anyone who wants to accept God's invitation and come back to him must confess their sins. Just admit that you messed up. Admit that you let your flesh get the best of you. Admit that you let other people pull you away from God rather than hooking up with people who can pull you closer into a covenant, intimate covenant relationship with God. But if you ask for forgiveness, God is ready to forgive you. God is ready not only to forgive you, but according to the word of God, he is ready to forgive you and what y'all cleanse you from all unrighteousness ask for forgiveness then Hosea tells him also in verse number two he, he says ask God to graciously receive you ask God to graciously is right there in verse two graciously receive us our heavenly father y'all is a gracious merciful long-suffering God who graciously receives the repentant backslider this is one thing Jesus wanted to convey in the parable of the prodigal son when the young man was returning home uh, his father was on the porch looking for him when he saw when the father saw his son he ran to him and embraced him the father was glad to see his son who had strayed away but returned home. As I have shared before, the star in the parable of the prodigal son is not the son. The star in the stage play of the prodigal son is the father. Because Jesus told this story to help us better understand just how ready the father is to show mercy. Just how glad the father is to show mercy. Just how glad God is to be gracious toward those of us who decided to stray away from him. Come back to God and expect him to graciously receive you then Hosea says something there in verse 2 he says so we will render the calves of our lips we will render the calves of our lips that's in verse 2 we will render the calves of our lips the best thank offerings y'all the best thank offerings were young oxen so when Hosea makes reference to this calf he's making reference to what was oftentimes sacrificed as a thank offering unto God Hosea told Israel to render the calves of their lips rather than bring an actual calf to sacrifice to God just sacrifice praise and thanksgiving rather than bring a calf or a young ox they were simply to return to God with grateful hearts thank him I wonder how many of us need to come back to him and thank him for the things that he didn't let happen to us when we were in darkness I wonder how many of us need to thank him for not letting the overdose take you out. Thank him for keeping you or keeping her from getting pregnant. Thank him for the STDs you did not catch. Thank him for the DUIs you were never charged. Thank him for the bullets that were meant for you, but he made sure that they missed you. Thank him for when they, when they took a key to your car instead of a knife to your face. Thank him for when you should have been fired, but they gave you another chance. Thank him. Thank God for all the times he showed up and showed out in your life. Come back and tell God, thank you with the calves of our lips. Hosea goes on and, and, and explains something else that is to be entailed or included in this confession. They, they are to also confess and affirm their trust in God. I'm in verse 3. They are to affirm, reaffirm their trust in God. Look at verse 3. 
They're about to say what they're saying, or they are to say what they are to say in verse 3, because they place too much, too, too much of their trust in military might. Look at verse 3. Assyria or other nations that we have alliances with cannot save us, nor can our war horses. Never again will we say to the idols we have made, you are our gods. No, in you, God, in you alone, do the orphans find mercy. Israel was to affirm their trust in God rather than military might or themselves or their allies. They were to affirm that the idols made by their own hands could do nothing for them. They needed to trust God to protect them. They needed to trust God to fight their battles. They needed to trust God to do for them what no other power could do. They would need to confess that they would trust God like never before. Let me pause here real quick and encourage anybody, anybody and everybody who's determined to come back to God, come back with a resolve that you're going to trust him like never before. I just, listen, I don't want to get all in your business. I don't mean to get all in your Kool-Aid, but I'm wondering how many of us need to make this sort of confession. I need to trust God better. I, I need to do a better job trusting God. I, I gave in to my own iniquity because I trusted myself or my finances or my boo or my bae more than I trusted God. But the good news is if you come back to God and declare from your heart, I'm going to trust you like never before, God will receive you unto himself. And be advised, y'all, be advised. Hosea in Hosea 6 and 6 and 7 would tell us that God desires more than lip service. He desires more than lip service. Look at this in Hosea 6 and 6. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. In other words, more than the outward stuff, more than the religious gestures, I want you to know me. I want you to trust me because you know me. I want you to trust me because you've been in my word. I want you to know me because you've tried me and found out that I will do just what I said I would do. I wonder how many of us have that type of trust. Yeah, it needs to, we need to improve it, but how many of us have that type of trust in God because we've tried him? When times got hard, we tried him. When there was nowhere else to turn, we tried him and God was there. How many of you can testify he was there and he did just what he said he would do. He blessed just like he said he would bless. He delivered just like he said he would deliver. He moved my mountains just like he said he would move them. I wonder how many of us can testify firsthand, not from what your mama told you, not from what your daddy told you, not from what your pastor or your Sunday school teacher told you. How many of us have tried him for ourselves and found out we can trust him to do just what he said he would do? Come back to God. Return to him with the confession he desires. And one, one way to know if you're ready to get right is if you're talking right. So another question, y'all, we're about to raise up. Another question I have is, how does God respond to the person who returns to him? You, you, you got your confession intact. You ready for real, for real. What you have is deeper than a New Year's resolution. What you have is deeper than wanting to return to attending church. You really want to reconnect with God and trust him like never before. Be obedient like never before and go to another level in your worship. How does God respond to that? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked because God answers us in Hosea 14 and 4. Look at the fourth verse of Hosea 14. Here's what God says to the repentant sinner, the repentant backslider who's coming back to God. God says, I will heal their backsliding. 
I will love them freely for mine anger is turned away from him I will be as the dew unto Israel he shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon his branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as an olive tree and his smell as Lebanon they that dwell under his shadow shall return they shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon what in the world is Hosea saying to black folk in one of Robbins Georgia or around the world in on January 2nd 2022 I don't know a whole lot of y'all who walk around talking like that oh I just see you being so blessed you I see you as the cedars of Lebanon I just see you as the I see you as the lilies I I, I, I heard nobody talk to me like that what is Hosea saying? God promised y'all, God promised to heal. When he says heal, that word means to cure. As if you backslid because you got sick. You got sick in your mind. You got sick in your spirit. Your flesh made you sick with yourself. And now that you're sick of yourself, now you want to come back to God. God says, I will heal you. I will cure you. I will repair you and make helpful uh, the repentant backslider. He promised to restore and revive them. So many are afraid to, turn, to return to God. Listen, there, there are some who, who are convinced that they cannot be forgiven. The devil is a lie. God is saying, I will heal you. I will repair you. I will cure you. God promised to heal their backsliding and love them freely. When he talked about loving them freely, he's saying he won't hold back when it comes to his love. God says, I will love you with no limit. I'll love you with no boundaries. I will love you freely. Hosea described how God would respond to this nation if they return to him. They will experience revival. Revival, y'all. For real revival. Not just a couple of nights of church, but revival for real. Revival with renewed strength. Revival to ref being refreshed in their spirits, rejuvenated in their souls. They'll be revived for real. Here's what God said. And as, as, as Hosea goes on, God says, here's what I'm going to do. He says, I will be like the dew. I will be like the dew. That, I'll be like the dew. That really didn't hit me too particularly until I read up on some stuff about the dew. The dew, y'all, is moisture that forms due to con condensation. Y'all see how I fixed that? The dew is formulated due to, anyway. Condensation, condensation is the process a material undergoes as it changes from a gas to a liquid. Yeah, I know you're not, you're not mesmerized. You're not, you're not blessed. Um, maybe this will get you. Dew forms as temperatures drop and objects cool down. If the object becomes cool enough, the air around the object will also cool. Colder air is less able to hold water vapor than warm air. This forces water vapor in the air around cooling objects to condense. When condensation happens, small water droplets form as dew. That, that, that's not going to make you shout. That's not going to make you shout. But uh, uh, when you consider why you see dew in the morning, early in the morning, and as the sun comes up, we see the dew because it was forming through the night when the temperature dropped and, and things cooled down. I, I said the dew formed during the night when the temperature dropped and, and things cooled down. What, what am I getting at? I'm, I'm saying when, when we see dew on the ground early in the morning, it's because water vapor that was already in the air was condensing and transforming and shifting from a gas to a liquid something was happening during the night 
a shift was occurring in the darkness. When you can hardly see your way clear to make the dew form at night when the temperature drops, God is saying, I, I will be like the dew that forms in the nighttime. I, I'll be like the dew that forms when your life gets dark. I, I'll be like the dew. When you come back to me and your life gets dark, I'll be like, I'll be like the dew. If you come back to God, he'll be as the dew in the night seasons of your life. He'll do what he do and work during the night. In the darkness when you can hardly see your way clear and he'll make things shift in your favor. You need to know, beloved, that walking in a close, intimate relationship with God moves him to do like the do and do what only he can do when times get dark. If you're going through a night season right now, trust God to do like the do and make it do what it do for you. If you can hardly see your way clear right now, trust God to move. Listen, trust God to be moving on your behalf in the darkness to make things shift and work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you're in a night season, cry out, Lord, be like the do and make it do what it do. And when people who know you're going through a dark season and they wonder how you're making it, when they wonder how you're moving forward, just tell them God is like the do in my life and he's making it do what it do. When they see how you're moving forward, growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and wonder how you're yet praising God and giving him glory and expecting him to move your mountains, just tell them God is like the do in my life and he's making it do what it do. How many of y'all can testify that God will make it do what it do in your night seasons in your dark seasons when you can't make your way clear when you don't know how you're coming out when you don't know what to do but God is like the do in your life and God will make it do what it do I wonder how many of y'all can testify that's why you're in the house of God on January 2nd 2022 because in 2021 you had some dark seasons you had some dark days you had some dark weeks you had some dark times but all in all of those dark times you trusted God to move and shift and transform and move some stuff around and shift and transform and God did it for you the reason why you're here today is not because an alarm clock woke you up this morning it's not because of the alarm on your Apple watch or the alarm on your iPhone 13 the reason why you're here tonight today is because when your life got dark God made up in his mind I'm gonna move like the do and make it do what it do how many of y'all can praise him today for doing what he do making it do what it do on your behalf Hosea said prophetically he also prophetically declares how Israel will be different and better off after they return to God look at verse 5 look at verse 5 look at verse 5 he says Israel will grow as the lily Israel will grow as the lily. The lily is the emblem of beauty and purity of the soul in grace. You, uh, uh, Hosea is saying, you're going to grow. I want to encourage you to come back to God and be intentional about your growth. Be, be intentional. Be deliberate about your growth. Be serious about your growth. Be intentional about prayer, fasting, learning and renewing your mind, serving and answering your why, giving and changing the world and connecting and thriving in our church family. But oh, that's not all. Hosea said uh, in verse 5, Israel will cast forth his roots as Lebanon. The, the cedar of Lebanon, it, it's, it's a strong tree. It has, it has deep roots. You, it's, you can't just uproot it. You, you can't just blow it away. You, it's it's a strong tree. The most fierce winds can come and blow against that cedar tree and it'll still be standing because the roots are deep and it, it makes the tree unmovable. It makes it steadfast. 
It can make you, God, you come back to God. He says, I, I will make you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But that's not all. Look at verse 6. In verse 6, uh, Hosea says, Israel will be as beautiful as an olive tree. Israel, Israel will be as beautiful as an olive tree. The evergreen olive tree, the evergreen olive tree, listen, it, it remains beautiful in any season. In the summertime, it's beautiful. In the wintertime, it's beautiful. It, it has, listen, it represents an unvarying presence of divine grace that can make you beautiful in any season. You can go through an ugly season of your life, but God can make all things beautiful. You can go through an ugly divorce, and God can still make all things beautiful. You can go through an ugly firing on your job, but God can still make all things beautiful. Are y'all praying with me today? Israel will be as beautiful as an olive tree. It's the olive, y'all, that produces the anointing oil. God is able to make you beautiful under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. No matter how ugly the enemy tries to make your life, no matter how ugly the enemy tries to make your world, coming back to God can make you beautiful as an olive tree. But that ain't all. Hosea keeps on talking. He keeps on talking about what he's talking about in verse 6. He also says that if Israel comes back to God, Israel will smell as Lebanon. It will smell as Lebanon. It, it, it will have an, a, a beautiful aroma. It will have a fragrance that's, that's pleasant to the nostrils. It's, it, it, it will be known for its, for its pleasant aroma. This ought to encourage backsliders who feel as though their lives stink. Living, living under the dominion of your flesh can make your life stank. It, if you've strayed away from God and you don't like the odor of your stanky life, come back to God and, and it will bring a pleasant fragrance of favor, aroma of his anointing and perfume of his peace in your life. Cancel that stanky living. Cancel living under the dominion of your flesh and come back to God. Hosea says he'll make your life smell better. But then verse 7, Hosea says, Israel shall revive as corn. They shall revive as corn. They that dwell, they that dwell. Verse 7 says, they that dwell, they, they that abide, they that remain, they that dwell, they that tarry, sit down, be set to dwell. Here it is, to dwell as if one who is married and given a dwelling. Yeah, you marry somebody and you move in, you move into their dwelling. You, you marry them first and then move in. To their dwelling. You don't, you don't shack up. You, you marry them. It's, it's a picture of one who gets married and moves into a place that's prepared for them. He says that that's what God, if you, you dwell with God, he'll revive as the corn. It, that word revive means to live, to have life, to remain alive, to, to sustain life, or, or to live prosperously. God wants to bless your life so you can live prosperously, to, to quicken you, to make you alive, or, or to be restored to life or, or to health. This, that's what that word revive means. It, it means to be brought back from faintness, to, to be brought back from the brink of death. That word revive means to be brought back from what almost took you out. I wonder how many of us in 2021 went through some stuff that almost took you out. But God revived. God is able to bring you back 
from the brink of death and make you like corn. I know some of y'all made a New Year's resolution that in 2022, you're going to be more like corn this year. I know you did. I saw where you put on Facebook that I have a, that you set some goals to be more like corn in 2022. All of us have a friend, at least with that one friend that makes a New Year's resolution every year. They don't hold on to it, but every year they make that New Year's resolution to be as corn. And your friends may not understand what you're talking about when you're talking about being revived as corn. Let me break down for your friends. I know you know. But let me break down for your friends what you mean by being revived as corn. Corn, corn, corn grows. Corn is something that can spread, but first it dies. It dies in its outward form and so is multiplied. Corn, corn has to die before it can multiply. It's like a baby's kid. Yeah, when, when, he, when he says you're going to be revived as corn, he says God might take you through a dying process first, but it's all with the intention of to bring multiplication in your life. God, God can bring you back to him. You, you can come back to him and it can, it can endure. You can have to endure some pain. It can be painful and shameful in some respects, but God has every intention of bringing multiplication in your life. Maybe some relationships need to die. Maybe some influences need to die. Maybe some things need to die for you to come back to God and grow as God has ordained but you can be revived as corn you may have to die but when you bounce back when God continues to work in you and through you God can cause grace to multiply cause peace to multiply cause wisdom to multiply cause your skills to multiply how many of you could stand for some joy to multiply or some peace to multiply or revelation to multiply God says come back to me and I'll revive you I'll bring you back and bring multiplication in your life but Hosea doesn't stop there look at verse 7 he says Israel shall grow as the vine Israel shall grow as the vine God's restored and revived people will be fruitful in other words come back to God and commit to growing be intentional about getting stronger be intentional in getting wisdom and being faithful to God be intentional about your victory be intentional about living as more than a conqueror God is intentional about blessing you strengthening you sanctifying you fighting battles for you defeating devils for you God is intentional about your destiny so come back to God and commit to growing can I tell you what your future will be like if you come back to God I see you having some good days some hills to climb some weary days and some sleepless nights I see some people even in the church lying on you lying to you betraying you abandoning you I see you having some night seasons some ups and downs some mountains and valleys some new friends and some new enemies some joy and some pain some sunshine and some rain but I also see you winning I see you prevailing I see your victory. I see your destiny. I see God blowing your mind. I see what I see, but there's more. There's so much more to what I see. For eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into anyone's heart the things God has prepared for those who love him. The word said prepared. I want you to go into 2022 as if God has some stuff prepared for you. You need to tell the devil, depression ain't prepared for me anxiety ain't prepared for me peace that passes all understanding is prepared for me joy unspeakable and full of glory is prepared for me my destiny that God has is prepared for me victory is prepared for me 
dominion over my flesh is prepared for me fresh anointing is prepared for me doors that God can open and no man can shut are prepared for me ways out of no way is prepared for me can I, am I talking to anybody here who understand that the devil has some traps prepared for you the devil has some plots prepared for you the devil has some of his tricks and schemes prepared for you but what God has prepared for you bless his name and finally as I prepare to close God says I'll be like a fir tree look at verse number 8 Ephraim shall say what have I to do anymore with idols I have heard him and observed him I am like a green fir tree God is speaking to his people I am like a green fir tree I wonder what is it about this green fir tree it's, it's a tall stately tree it's wood is precious enough to be used in the temple of God it's fine enough to be used in all sorts of musical instruments it's a strong wood it's strong and pliant enough to be used for spears you can use it as a weapon God says I'll be strong enough to be your weapon I'll be beautiful enough to be your music I'll, I'll, I'll be there for you when you need me to be these fir trees in the countries where I Hosea lived that were exceeding thick and large they could provide shelter against the sun and rain God is saying he, he's saying I will be to that repentant backslidden Israel should they return to me I'll be like shelter I'll be a delight and a defense in other words God is saying you come back to me I got you when the storms come I got you trust me I got you when the devil attacks your mind with anxiety I got you when the devil attacks your spirit with anxiety and depression I got you when temptations come call on me I got you when your thorns in your flesh are making you weak I got you draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you I got you God like the fir tree can protect you from the devil God can protect you from sickness and disease we're still here because God has been like a fir tree and providing shelter against COVID and cancer and diabetes and heart attacks and strokes am I can I get a witness here he, he is a tall shelter he is a defense from all the enemy's attacks tall stately fir tree is like in, is God like in two to protect us from the wiles of the enemy but the question is can God protect you from you he can protect you from the enemy can God protect you from your own flesh can God protect you from you if only God could protect us from doubt and distractions and pleasure and lust and financial foolishness oh if only if only God could protect us from laying up with folks we have no business laying up with if only God could protect us from ourselves and the lies we tell ourselves and trusting things that cannot help us cannot protect us cannot defend us cannot provide shelter for us but God has given us what we need to partner with him and our prosperity by giving us his wisdom in verse 9 we're encouraged to be wise in verse 9 is the final verse we're encouraged to be wise be wise that's my encouragement to you as I close today be wise it's foolish to stay out in the world it's foolish to stay out in darkness it's foolish to walk uh, away from God and stay away from God it's foolish to believe that God will not forgive you if you come back to him and cry out for mercy it's foolish to live your life walking with the enemy rather than the eternal I'm telling you today be wise be 
wise and come back to God and walk with him. Be wise and come back to God and prosper with him. Be wise. This text shows us, y'all, that we are to be wise. It shows us that our backsliding doesn't have to have the final word. God's grace can have the final word in your life. Let grace have the final word. Your failure is not final. Grace has the final word. The devil doesn't have the final word. God's grace has the final word. Your failures does not have the final word. God's grace has the final word. The mistake you made doesn't have the final word. That divorce does not have the final word. The marriage that you ruined, that job that you ruined, that career that you ruined, the children that you hurt, that doesn't have the final word. God's grace has the final word. Can I get a witness here? God's grace has the final word. I need somebody in the chat to type that in the comments. God's grace has the final word. I'm moving forward because God's grace has the final word. I'm going to hold my head up because God's grace has the final word. I'm going to keep on moving forward because God's grace has the final word. I'm going to keep on praising him because my failure doesn't have the final word. God's grace has the final word. Can I get a witness here? I know you messed up, but don't let your failure have the final word. Don't let shame have the final word. Don't let guilt have the final word. Let God's grace have the final word. Can I get a witness here? For when you come back to God, you're coming back to power. When you come back to God, you're coming back to protection. When you come back to God, you're coming back to provision. His goodness and his mercy. His faithfulness and his long-suffering. His miracles and his signs and his wonders. When you come back to God, you're coming back to his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life when you come back to God you're coming back to grace you're coming back to that power of God where he can look beyond your faults and meet your needs can I get a witness here when you come back to God you come back to mercy where you may have to experience some punishment but it won't be as harsh as it ought to be am I the only one in here today who's ever been punished by God but I yet can give God praise that it wasn't as severe as it really should have been come on and talk to me somebody I'll be the only one who may have been chastened by God but can testify it still wasn't as severe as it should have been but ultimately when we talk about God being like a fir tree being that shelter and that provision we're saying when you come back to God you're coming back to another chance another chance to get it right another chance to live holy another chance to walk upright another chance to walk in favor another chance to walk in obedience can I get a witness here I'm going to close right here and remind y'all that God sent Hosea to tell his people to come back to him God used the prophet the man of God to issue a, an invitation to the chosen backslidden people of God to come back to God but we have something better than Hosea we have in Jesus rather than a plea to come back to God in Jesus we have God saying I'm coming down to get you can I get a witness here when he was born in a manger that's God saying I'm coming down to get you 
when they hung him high and stretched him wide. That was God saying, I'm coming to get you. When he buried his head in the lock of his shoulders, God was saying, I'm coming to get you. When they buried him in a borrowed grave, stayed there all night Friday, stayed there all day Saturday, stayed there all night Saturday night. But early Sunday morning, rose up with all power in his hands. That's God saying, I'm coming down to get you. Well, how many of y'all realize that Jesus ascended on a cloud, but one day he's coming back? I said, one day he's coming back. One day he's coming back. He's coming back to get us. Coming back to get his church. Coming back to get his saints. Coming back to get his people. How many of y'all ready to go? How many of y'all willing to go? How many of y'all looking forward to going? Glory to God. One day we'll be with Jesus. No more heartache. No more pain. No more guilt. No more shame. Can I get a witness here? That's why we ought to praise him. That's why we ought to give him glory. Come on, can you put your hands together and give God glory? Can you put your hands together and give God praise and tell him thank you for holding me. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for coming to get me and getting a hold of me and using me and blessing me and receiving me and opening doors for me and making ways for me and fighting battles for me and now the least I can do is give you glory the least I can do is tell you thank you thank you thank you Lord thank you for your grace thank you for your mercy thank you for your love Thank you for your compassion. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And if you're here today, if you want to come back to God, today is a great day to come back to Him. And I want to encourage you, it has to be deeper than a New Year's resolution. It has to go beyond coming back to church. I want to encourage you to come back to Him and make your confession. Admit own your own iniquity make your confession let what comes out your mouth be the same thing coming out of God's mouth and when you come back to him God will be saying you are forgiven that's what you need to be saying God will be saying we're starting over that's what you need to be saying God will be saying it's, it's up from here that's what you need to be saying come back to him if you've never first of all if you've never ever this has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.